into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. Hello, Turtle fans, and welcome back to Epic Tales from the Sewers. I am your host, Justin. Here with me is my co-host, Eric. How are you doing, Eric? Doing all right. How about yourself there, Justin? I'm doing great, man. Just coming back from C2E2. We got a great guest on the show today. You know, looking forward to talking to him. So uh, our guest today is a local resident of Dover, New Hampshire, most notably known as the birthplace of TMNT. Uh, James started a campaign within the city of Dover to commemorate the birthplace of our favorite four brothers with a TMNT-themed manhole cover. And he has an Indiegogo campaign going to help fund the project. Um, Mr. James Lane, how are you, sir? Real good, Justin. Eric, Thanks. nice to meet you guys. Thanks for joining us on here. Mm -hmm. uh, we appreciate it. Um, what? Uh, how did this go about starting, uh, you getting um, this campaign together? Where would the idea come from? Sure. Well, I um, grew up loving the Ninja Turtles. Um, I latched on very early to the comic books back before the days of the TV show or the movies or the widespread global marketing or anything like that. <laughs> and uh, really fell in love with it in the early days. And um, it meant a lot to me. And I moved on a bit in my life to less collecting comic books and more into collecting records and more of a musical focus. But I still always loved the Turtles and had a great, uh, just a feeling of pride for their overall success as they've gotten more popular. You know, like I loved them back when nobody knew them and they felt like they were my boys succeeding, yeah. you know, out there in the world. So um, I maintain, you know, a healthy love and respect for it my whole life. And I moved to the Dover area. Uh, I moved to Dover maybe eight years ago or so. And um, I'm just the kind of guy who's very interested in history and researching the things around me. And I was researching my town and learned that, oh, yeah, this is where Mirage Studios started. And, you know, remembered it from being mentioned um, in the beginning, in the early days. So I set out to figure out where exactly in the town uh, that house was with, of course, the... Um, long shot fantasy that it would be my house that I was living in, of course, was <laughs> obviously not the case. I knew that wasn't going to be true, but um, I did eventually track down enough information to figure it out. And it was only a few blocks from my house. It turned out I walked by the spot all the time. So uh, I hustled over there with my dogs and discovered to my dismay that the house that housed Mirage Studios wasn't there any longer. Uh, it's just a vacant lot. And um, it turns out that um, maybe 20 years ago, it got torn down and the land was, I believe, purchased by the apartment complex next door, who then used it to house uh, a dumpster. So now um, that's what they got there. So instead of a house, it's just a dumpster sitting on a vacant lot. So as I would walk by walking my dogs, I would think to myself, you know, um, the town doesn't really make a big deal out of TMNT's origins here. And um, we've got this spot right here and there should be a historic marker. Uh, someone should recognize that. And I kept walking by the house and continued to not see a historic marker there and said, well, I guess somebody's going to have to do this. So I might as well be the guy to do it. Um, and I uh, when I first got the idea as I was walking by. I think the issue was I'm looking at the land and thinking, well, a problem is if we put up a historic marker, there are going to be people standing here looking at a dumpster, you know, like a plaque hanging on a dumpster or whatever. And it's not uh, particularly uh, great to see. So I had 
walked by it the first time and looked down and saw a manhole cover that was sitting right in front of where the house originally was and thought, oh, these guys probably walked by this manhole cover every day and perhaps it played into the original ideas of the turtles and all that. And so um, I thought, oh, well, I'll replace this manhole cover with a custom-made commemorative one that'll serve a historic marker and it'll talk about what happened on this spot back in 1983. So... Um, once I got that idea, I figured, all right, well, step one is going to be to contact the sewer department. So um, that's technically public works here for the city. So I reached out to the sewer department and the director of public works got back to me right away and was really supportive of the idea and said, oh, I think you'll be able to pull this off. Um, you know, uh, why don't you talk to the uh, arts commission? They Everything runs through them, blah, blah, blah. So he put me on the road to talking to the right people in the city. Wow. And, yeah. So um, I got support right out of the gate. And the original idea that I had also from the start was that it's nice when a city does public art and installs public art and recognizes public art. But wouldn't it be even better if I could do this as sort of a grassroots crowdfunded thing? So it was at no cost to the taxpayers who don't care about Ninja Turtles. And <laughs> it would also give me an opportunity to perhaps put um, some of this towards charity. So I just devised this whole plan in my head for how I can crowdfund um, creating a marker for a thing that I loved and create some civic pride for it right in my town and at the same time do some good for some turtle-related charities. And that's where we are today. Wow. Now, did you run into any opposition of this? Like, I imagine this had to be uh, something that was voted on, right? Yeah, well, it had to go through... Um, you know, a lot of committees and a lot of approvals, but it's been quite universally well-received from the start. Uh, I honestly think, and the, the thought that came in my head at first was I think the city probably really has been wanting to recognize the turtles for quite a while. It's just a bit of a, probably, a, um, I bet they had a hard time figuring out how to do it without having seven foot tall bronze sculptures of <laughs> turtles with weapons in their hands. Yeah. Because it's uh Dover is the seventh permanent settlement in the United States. Uh, it is one of the oldest cities in the country here. And there's a lot of tourism in this area and they try to really lean into the history and the quaint new England thing here. So I think that they were worried that putting in giant Ninja turtle statues in the downtown um, maybe wasn't exactly the image they were looking for. Um, but once I brought up this idea of a of a marking the specific spot, I think it worked well for them. And uh, I just really saw a lot of support from all corners, be it the local citizens or everyone within the city and the various departments. It's been very great. That's so cool. So so who's going to design it or do you already have a design? Well, I came up um, with a preliminary design for the marker that we used for some initial testing with the manufacturer, you know, it's test the limits of how graphics will work and things of like course, that. Yeah. Um, but there have been some changes. We, the um, city balked on the idea that originally they agreed to doing the manhole cover in the street, but then they changed their mind about a year into the project and decided that they weren't comfortable with the potential liability of people standing in the street looking at something, which <laughs> I guess you can't blame them for that. Yeah, I mean, you no, know, I the government, they got to play it safe. Um, so it got moved to the sidewalk. So once that happened, um, I was no longer limited to working only in the format of the manhole cover that was there. So now it's going to be a bigger manhole cover 
the design is changing a bit. And best of all, Kevin Eastman has agreed to um, create the graphical part of it. So what? Yeah, yeah. I've had um, excellent support from Team Eastman and even um, some kind words uh, from, from Peter Laird as well. And Kevin is creating some custom artwork for me that we'll be able to use um, on the main hall cover. He also was very reassuring to the city who, again, they, you know, they got to worry about their legals. So they were worried about trademark violations and things like that. So it was a huge help to have Kevin on our side, assuring the city that uh, they didn't have to worry about getting sued over copyrights. Well, yeah, I mean, Viacom owns it now. So, I mean, I would think any press would be good press for them. You would think, yeah. You never yeah, know I how would. lawyers are going to be, but yeah. um, <laughs> we're feeling pretty good about it right now anyway. They're, they're afraid they, of licensing fees. Like people are going to start uh, recreating their manholes of their own and selling all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now the city, now they made every effort that they can for the um, the lawyers, the government lawyers here to reach out to Viacom and talk with them. I don't know exactly how the conversations did go, but I do know um, that everybody now feels comfortable with the legal standing and um, wow this is this is great now um so so no opposition no block blockage by the foot clan that's good um <laughs> i saw that the goal was uh thirteen thousand. how close yeah. are you guys currently because I, I saw that as of the time of this recording you're about 33 days out yep um let me pull it up here uh i am currently at 57 percent of my goal very nice. as of this recording i got a little over seven thousand dollars raised yeah um, we've had uh, some press in the last couple of days uh, from our local, local newspaper here, as well as we are um, expecting an article on Sunday in the New Hampshire Union Leader, which is the biggest New Hampshire here, uh, the biggest newspaper here in New Hampshire. So um, it's been going quite well. Yeah, I'm super gassed about it. Wow, that's that's crazy. So um, just just wanted to point out because I made this mistake early. This is not a Kickstarter, folks. This is Indiegogo. Right. Yes. Independent creators and all that. So uh, Indiegogo, TMNT, Dover.com. That's a way you can find it. Um, I saw in here you had some really great perks, some of them from Jetpack Comics, who is the original store that had the original 3000 run of the books and all that. Uh, looks like Steve Levine and Jim Lawson and Kevin Eastman were involved. Do you have any other support from any of the other creators? Um, really like that connection there with Jetpack has been um, a massive help to us, you know, like, as you said, he's um, Ralph over there at Jetpack has been involved with um, Mirage Studios and with Eastman and Laird from the very beginning and helped uh, sell the original issues. And he hooked us up, you know, with those guys and, and um, he has donated out of his own stock all those premiums that are being given away on oh, the Indiegogo wow. campaign. Yeah. And he's doing the fulfillment. He has been tremendously supportive since day one. Um, I can't thank him enough uh, for how well it's been going. Yeah, there's there's some different tiers. I saw you can start with just like a standard donation, like a thank you for ten, and then yep. it looked like there was there was what? Uh, are you familiar with the the various tiers and what the prizes are? Or? Uh, yeah. Well, to get it right, I'll pull it up on my other screen there. Um, you know, uh, people can donate any amount of money at any level and uh, they'll get gratitude from me. You know, I'll thank them psychically for it. Nothing will show up in the mail. <laughs> then he'll burst some clouds with the same thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a $25 uh, donation level. We had two different premiums available for 25 donations, $25 donations. Uh, one of them, 
uh, is completely sold out at this point. That was a reprint of uh, early postcards and stuff like that. The second one is um, a TMNT print set of which we've got one uh, one left at this point at $25. Wow. Going fast. Uh, yep. At a $50 level, uh, you're getting a, a random TMNT comic from the IDW series, uh, as well as a copy of that print set. We've got uh, a bunch of those left for people to do. If you donate $100, you'll get five random Jetpack exclusive TMNT comics that they'll select for you. $150 donation will get you five of these Jetpack comics, as well as uh, a copy of Heavy Metal issue number 265, which uh, features Kevin Eastman cover in a limited edition. Very cool. There is a, a signed art pack from Rich Woodall for a $200 donation. There is a signed comic variant from Levine and Lawson. Let me see. Uh, from, from the last Ronin, Lost Years number one. That's with a $200 donation. Uh, 200 bucks will also get you a complete set of the last Ronin issues one through five. Um, giving that away as well. We had some other premiums, um, in, including some original Peter Laird artwork. And yeah, I um, saw that just packs of uh, what a deal uh, that was awesome <laughs> stuff put together. Yeah. But people have already claimed those. Uh, it is possible. There has been rumors that I'm going to get more awesome things like that donated to me by people from the TMNT and Mirage universe wow. uh, that I'll be able to throw up here and add as premiums in the second half of, of this crowdfunding. Um, but I don't know specifically what they'd be at this time. I'm just kind of hoping for it right oh, now. Oh, cool. So, so there's two different uh, crowdfundings that you're doing for this. So there's going to be a, a second campaign. No, no, it's the one it is. Uh, oh. It's running for two months and we're just coming to the start of the second month. Okay. So right, that makes more sense then. Okay. Yeah. So um, how much does a manhole cover go for? Cause it sounds like you've, you've researched this and all that. And you did mention that you're going to be given to local charities as well, which I think is awesome. But um, what, what's kind of like the base that you're looking for to fund this? I did actually a tremendous amount of research, and it, which started with me walking around my town, looking down constantly and writing down the name on every manhole cover I could see so I could contact these people to say, hey, can you make me a manhole cover? And you may be surprised to learn that uh, not a lot of manhole covers made in the United States anymore. Um, what? The, yeah, well, the whole iron smelting industry or whatever they're, you know, whatever these forges do um, is pretty rough for, for uh, environmental standards. And there aren't that many companies that do it anymore. And the ones uh, for the most part that do make manhole covers, do them in huge quantities of thousands for municipal orders and don't want to make one-offs. So I talked to not only manhole cover manufacturers, but individual ironwork artists, well, really metalwork artists of all kinds, um, all kinds of engineering places, and eventually found one company that really specializes in making um, like one-off special manhole covers was lucky to find. So we're going to be making it out of um, stainless steel. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so it'll look a bit shinier than your typical manhole cover. I'd gone through a lot. You know, as I said, I'd done a lot of research and learned so much about the manufacturing process of all kinds of metal and how they wear over time. And um, we're I just think of like acid rain and steel. Things yeah. like that that would come down. So that that makes a lot of sense. So. Well, it's also, you know, real cold in New Hampshire and we get a lot of snow in here. So this thing is going to be in the ground and sitting with 
salt and sand and grit on top of it and people walking on it and plows driving over it. So there's, um, you know, that, that New England hard weather level oh, yeah. of wear as well. I'm from New England myself in, in Connecticut. And we, we used to say, if you don't like the weather, oh, wait 10 minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> it's got, it's got to survive those nor'easters and all that. So yeah. Wow. That's, that's really cool. So with any kind of production like this, I'm sure you understand it's like um, doing the first manhole cover is the really expensive one. And then if you are banging out 500 copies of it, those next 499 are of minimal cost. But it's that first one, unfortunately, that costs so much to spool up and do all the labor for. Are you going to get one for yourself as well? I am not. No, oh, okay. um, <laughs> I know it would be heavy, but I'm just saying the temptation would definitely be there for me. I did think in the early days, I'm like, you know, I should negotiate into the price that they make a backup one just in yeah. case anything happens to the first one and I'll hold that. on to yeah. the backup one. But the fact of the matter is, what do I need with a 30-inch stainless steel 300-pound metal disc yeah, in my leg? <laughs> you know? I'll take it. Yeah, there you go. I thought <laughs> very briefly, I thought about making a table out of one, but uh, no. Uh, that'd be, we'll that'd be cool. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But we'll, I, yeah, we'll just be I was making curious, the one. Like what you were going to go with for the aesthetic. So it's going to be kind of like um, a shiny uh, chrome uh, thing. So that, that sounds really cool. I was wondering if it was going to be like sort of reddish, like the uh, the original cover, you know, with like a like a oiled bronze, you know, sort of look. But I like yeah. that. I think it's to make it so it's going to last and all that. I think that's that's what it comes part. down to. Yeah. Like I have, I had a lot of options and like of metals I can make it out of or finishes they could apply. And we could even, you know, have it with painted with an enamel finish with, if we wanted so that the graphics were in color. But I, after conversations with um, a lot of artists and metal workers, I feel like that would look really cool this year. Yeah, I agree. Not so great next year. And then garbage for the 30 years following that. And then, yeah, no, I, I agree with you because, I mean, I was just thinking of if you ever gone by like an aged McDonald's when they saw the outside of what the playground looked like. Ah, you're there like, you go. Wow, poor Mayor McCheese hasn't been touched up in a fortnight. <laughs> you know, so it's I totally get that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's that's really exciting stuff. So so through this, you you, you mentioned a little bit before we got on that you have met uh, Kevin, you've met Peter. But have you had any support from um, like any of these guys? Who are you, you chatting with in, in that community now? As far like the rest of the artists in that universe, yeah, yep. None of them directly, really. All of my, it's all been through Ralph at Jetpack, really. Okay, all right, you that know, makes sense. You know, he runs that world, as far as I'm concerned. He's gotten in. I yeah, I wish I wish I had thought to bring this up. Um, I I just met Kevin for the first time at C2E2. Um, I've spoke to him. He's been on the show before, but um, this is the first time I met him in, in person. This would have been a great time to ask him and be like, "Hey, are you gonna you know do anything for this?" and do you guys have uh, like an unveiling or are you going to do like a festival or something like that or, or anything when it uh, gets put out like a ceremony? Maybe we're not sure at this time. There's been some talk about it. And the city has asked me what I'm planning on doing for like a, a, a ribbon cutting or groundbreaking ceremony. And like, I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's much need for it. Like, you know, I don't know what the attraction is to draw a whole bunch of people onto a side street to point to something on the ground and say, Hey, <laughs> now you can officially recognize something that I put here. But um, I definitely plan once it's once it's in to register it with as many wayfinding and, um, you know, like 
cool public sites, websites kind of things, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like Atlas Obscura or Roadside America websites. Oh, like Roadside, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I'm a, I do a lot of travel with my kids and I'm always looking for the weird little out of the way um, features hidden in all kinds of cities. So I am super excited to have contributed to that world and made a, and making a, you know, a little, a wayfinding thing that people might come and seek out. There's going to be a new book and it's going to be called like weird new England. And it's going to have this on page 42, new Hampshire. Check it out. You know, <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. I can see it happening. That's pretty fun. Yeah, man. Uh, the links that you went to. So what do your kids think about this? Are they turtles fans? Yeah. Yep. Uh, my daughter in particular is a turtle fan. Um, my son, I guess he always kind of appreciated it from a distance, but uh, wasn't as into it. Uh, they love it. And um think it's pretty amazing what I'm doing. I mean, heck, I think probably the most amazed kid, I think back to what 13, 14 year old me would think about the fact that I'm doing this. And I think I'd be pretty proud of myself. So you, you mentioned that, you know, you were a big fan of the original turtles and all that. And um, I mean, this whole project sounds very Donatello like to me, who is, <laughs> who do you, do you have a, a brother that you identify with? Do you have a favorite? It doesn't have to be someone that you think you're like, but who's your favorite turtle as it comes to that? All right, I'll tell, I haven't said this in any other media, but I'll just tell it to you guys. Epic Tales from the, from the Sewers exclusive. Okay, all right, good. Back in the day, uh, in the comic book days, there was me and my best friend Jonathan and our third friend Sean. And I was Michelangelo and Jonathan was Donatello and Sean was Leonardo. We were not cool enough to have a Raphael. Okay, that's Eric. So. Not popular enough <laughs> for a fourth guy. Uh, so I guess the default would, I'd have to be a Mikey. Well, you got the orange beanie on, so that makes sense, <laughs> you know? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm a Leo guy. Eric is a... I'm a Raph guy. A Raph yeah. guy, yeah. You know, everybody everybody kind of splits differently with uh, what they have, so... Well, I'll tell you, while I've been working on this project, I've turned into a Leonardo guy because I have found him to be the most recognizable turtle from a distance because of those giant swords. There's just oh, something yeah. about them that comes across good in the graphics. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. I, I just picked up some original artwork and it's all always Leonardo on my end. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, now um, since the turtles like pizza, who in your opinion has the best pizza in Dover, New Hampshire? Oh, La Festa, hands down. No question. And La Festa is only like two blocks away from this specific site that is being uh, recognized. So um, I'll just say right now, if anybody comes into town looking for the historic marker, go to La Festa first and pick up a slice or two. And is I'll that, tell uh, you, were they around I am, I am from New York, so I am very picky about my pizza. Really? Okay. So what do you, what do you get when you order a pie yourself? What, what do you put on it? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm a regular uh, pepperoni guy for the most part. La Festa has a slice called the Cucamonga that has got, oh, let's see, bacon, barbecue sauce. It's got cucumbers on it. La Festa is kind of one what? of those loaded. They're like one of those loaded slice kinds of places, hmm. you know, like. I would try um, that all day. They've got, a, yeah, they've got a lot of those pizzas that have 15 different toppings on them, but they somehow all turn out great. Dang, no, that sounds cool. Yeah, I, I remember the the one time I got pizza in um, New York. I I went and they had um, it wasn't cheese like like mozzarella cheese. It was just like grated parmesan that they had on the top. And oh, I tried I it. I'm like I'm like, what is this? So, you know, that's I I can speak like New York pizza is is a unique thing altogether. You know, um, I 
I like it. You know, it's it's good and, yeah. and the, the foldability and the way they have the crust and all that with the uh corn on the like the cornmeal on the bottom. I'm I'm a fan. Right. But, but I, I as I mentioned, I'm from Connecticut. I'm I live in Illinois now, but um I'm from Connecticut and, and they have great pizza in Connecticut. Pizza in Connecticut. Yeah. So it's it's you know, the bar is so high. Yeah, and, and Connecticut is like that hidden jewel for pizza. Like a lot of pe people from not from that area don't know that that there's such pizza history in Connecticut as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, and um, we we claim to have invented the lollipop and the hamburger little uh, piece of trivia there. So, ah, uh, and I don't think that you can at all substantiate that you invented the hamburger, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. It's like, OK, well, they said it anyway. So, mm hmm. Man, Dover, so I'll tell I might as well throw in. Dover is also the home of the first women's labor union. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. Give you a little history there. Again, as I said, Dover was uh, the seventh permanent settlement in the New World. So we got a lot of history here just from all the years that we've been around, founded 1623. Oh, wow. So you're you're kind of a, a historian. You'd mentioned that you were a history fan earlier. So that's... I just like to read, I guess. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And um, let's see, we talked about the perks. Uh, we talked about you liking the uh, comics and all that and and this kind of stuff. And we talked about pizza. That's the important stuff. Now, um, as it goes to this, the art creation of this, how are people going to be able to see that? Is that going to be something that's an update on the Indiegogo page or is that going to be something that's just posted to social media? How are people going to be able to see it when it comes out? I I don't really know. Like, I will be posting all the updates I can to Indiegogo. I don't know with people's settings, you know, how regularly Indiegogo will update them once things are beyond. It's my first time doing any kind of crowdfunding for anything. Um, but that is two high priority things that I have. The first is that all of my accounting is going to be very well accountable and registered with the city and, and put up on Indiegogo so people can see that every single, every single dollar that was donated to this project went to either production for the, for the historic marker itself or donated to those charities. And the second one is for people to be able to see it once it's completed. So um, hopefully they'll be able to get it through tmntdover.com in the upcoming weeks and months. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. I'm excited. I mean, I was just thinking they, they had a series in the early 2000s that Peter put out and it was the tales of the uh, TMNT. And mm -hmm. um, they would always have kind of like an, uh, about the artist, about the author section. And so would show like Peter and he was on like a segue and all that. And and I can't help but think that if this was still that era, they would have, hey, and there's this going on. And then it would show a big old picture of, of the manhole cover. So maybe you know, down the road, IDW will get the hint and they'll say, Hey, why don't we do a little feature on this? And, and if not, maybe, um, maybe some of the turtle, uh, world journalists, like our, our friend over at turtle tracks, uh, Brian Van Hooker, maybe he'll do a feature on it and we'll get to see it. So no, it would be neat if they did. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You imagine you'd be getting some more interviews and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. but only well, one my... exclusive for us though. So Michelangelo is the answer. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my uh, my crowdfunding ends, I believe it is May 8th. So I need all the coverage I can get before that date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll do our best to get the words out there. We'll we'll send it, um, you know, out through there. Um, so you had mentioned that you're not much of a comic reader, but I was just going to ask, um, did you get a chance at all to read about the last Ronin comic? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Just in the, in the work that I've been doing. 
Yeah, I was wondering if uh, how that compared to the old ones that you had uh, looked at before, like when you were a kid. I really like the dark element of it and the, you know, the heavy martial arts focus and the yeah. sort of noir angle of it. Um, it is, I could totally see how it's very appealing to fans of the early comics. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I agree. I, I think it, it definitely does those things well. There's a big shift back to the martial arts aspect, which I think has been a big trend in the turtle. I don't know, Eric, what do, what do you think? I, th I think that they've really been, you know, trending back to showing more martial arts and stuff than just like using crazy weapons and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like they're kind of going back to the roots a little bit somewhat, you know, and I mean, I, th I think it's a good thing. I mean, always going back to your roots and what made what made it successful. I mean, it really, really made it successful again. So, I mean, meanwhile, the movie's working in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. And yeah, it did kind of do that. And then you've got this new one that's that's out. And I mean, they have the original weapons. So I don't know what they're going to do. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely know it's it's geared more towards a younger audience, but I'm going to see it. I'm I'm excited to go see it. So yeah, it looks like a good time. I think so. And and I mean, look, any turtle stuff is good turtle stuff, even if it's not like if it's not your favorite. Even like the Michael Bay stuff, it's like that would still pull some some interest towards making you know a historical marker. I think at least. So that's mm -hmm. you know, it's any press is good press, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty fun. So um, let's see. We asked you about the pizza. That was that was my big question because if I if I come out and visit there, because uh, I'm coming out for uh, Granite State Comic Con, and uh, when when do we think that this is going to be done? Is that going to be done by September of this year? It should be. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, we were really hoping to get it in the ground this spring. You know, as early as May. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, Wow. There's been a little bit of hold up with the artwork, so I'm not sure if we'll make that deadline, but um, very hopefully before the end of the summer. I started this project a couple of years ago, as I said, and wasn't really thinking about the timing of it. I just started working on this because it was something that I wanted to do. And as it is working out, you know, it is just happens to be coincidental for the 40th anniversary for Mirage yes, Studios, yes. the 400th anniversary for the city of Dover. And, wow. you know, as well as the release of the new movie, just all kind of worked out. Oh, wow. Coincidentally. Yeah. Wow. It's like the, every, all the stars are aligning on that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, those are all the questions that I had for you today. Eric, did you have anything you wanted to ask specifically about the project or the Indigo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, cause I know uh, I'm actually on Indigo right now. <laughs> okay. So I know that we were talking about the artwork. I got a couple questions about the artwork. Um, the artwork, like, do you, what, what is it that you're doing? Is it what you have up here on the website? Uh, is that what's going on in the manhole covers or is it something that Kevin is doing completely different or is it, you know, issue one, you know, it should be, well, I haven't seen what Kevin's doing yet and it should be something completely different. And I, and Hopefully it will be in the art style of issue one, which originated here. You know, there's there's okay. right from the beginning in talking about the artwork, there's always been that balance of I personally want to be true to issue number one and really be honoring Mirage Studios and that yeah. first comic book made on that street. 
balanced with the fact that we have to recognize that 99% of people who are interested in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on a global scale are recognizing the turtles that they see in the in the movies and on the TV show and all that, which is a a softer appearance, let's say. So yeah. um, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what he's going to put in there. You know, obviously, if he's creating art now, his own personal style and taste has changed over all these years. So I... I'm curious myself to see what he puts out, but I am really hoping for something in the um, issue number one style myself. Yeah. So you're looking for something more like my shirt than the uh, the Mirage exactly. style. So yeah, the Mirage I, style. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's interesting because there's so many different ways that you can go go for it. And even if you just say Mirage style, you've got you know the Michael Dooney, the Steve Levine, Eric Talbot, or AC Farley styles, like all those different ones that happened in that era, like Jim Lawson. All all that stuff is is completely different you know, yeah just based on the first series so it's yeah it could go any which way i i right. think it's cool um i hope that there's it i hope that they do all four of the brothers because i think that would be really iconic but i could yeah. even see something where they do like just a up close face and then it says like something like that i could see that too you know and and there's no wrong answer you know, yeah, there really isn't. I'm sh I'm sure whatever he comes up with, it will be great. You know, we do have to work within, um, unfortunately, certain limitations of what 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 can be reproduced in stainless steel for mm -hmm. this thing, um, which when you're dealing with uh, the kind of um, limitations of uh, commercial production and things like that, you know, it's not as highly detailed as we would like it to be. Unfortunately, you know, if you look yeah. at manholes in the street, you're not exactly getting a photorealism on that thing but yeah uh, definitely not <laughs> i look forward to seeing what we get <laughs> yeah no that's that's true it's not it's not like they're uh making a statue and then stamping it flat you know so, right yeah it's, right. it's probably going to be like like filled in a mold and probably made in clay first or something yeah contiguous lines you know things not falling out and yeah God, it's, yeah. it's 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 a lot more complex a situation than one would think the whole the whole process really is a learning process of uh, of how much, how many cogs there are moving once you know, once you move the scratch the surface, there's so much under there that most people don't think about that goes into production. Well, maybe sometime in the future they'll be able to 3D print these things because I, I think that would be interesting. But I, again, I don't know how you do that with stainless steel. So, you know, yeah, right. you can't really temper it and all that. It'd have to be like super heated, but. <laughs> Yeah, who who knows? Uh, but that's that's just really cool. I'm I'm excited for this. Um, I want to urge our listeners to go out there. You've got 33 days left. Um, give to the Indiegogo. See what you can do about helping the turtle community as a whole, making a uh, landmark for our home base. So that's you, that's can, you cool. can get a lot of cool stuff too. Yeah, you could. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna have a link a on cool our stuff. website there where you can check out and see everything um, just uh, that's offered there. And the really cool issue of um, of uh, heavy metal. I saw the cover there that Kevin yeah, did the uh, cover that. artwork for, and it does say it's a rare issue. So you, you never know; you might even be able to pick up some good collectibles. Yeah. But um, the shortened website that he gave us was uh, tmntdover.com. -E you can go there and you can check it out. I want to thank our guest today, uh, Mr. James Lane. Um, and uh, with that, uh, we're going to let you guys go. And uh, we'll be back with our pizza recipe of the day. Thanks, Justin and Eric. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's pizza time. And now in a segment that we call Pizza Time, where we discuss any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle or pizza-related food, I give you pizza time. It's your pizza time. A short episode gets a short pizza time. And these are very short. 
personal portobello pizzas. Makes four personal pizzas. When there are four brothers sharing can be a little bit of a challenge. These sturdy portobello mushrooms can handle all sorts of different toppings, and the personal portions stop all the arguments about sharing before they even start. Ingredients. Four extra large portobello mushroom caps. Stems and ribs removed. One cup no-cooked tomato sauce. One-fourth cup shredded low-moisture mozzarella. Twelve slices of pepperoni. Two tablespoons grated Parmesan cheese. One tablespoon chopped fresh basil. Instructions. Preheat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Line a heavy-duty rimmed baking sheet with parchment or aluminum foil. Step 2. Place the mushrooms on the prepared baking sheet, rib side up. Step 3. Fill each one with one quarter cup of pizza sauce. Then top each with one tablespoon of mozzarella, three slices of pepperoni. Step 4. Sprinkle each mushroom with one half tablespoon of parmesan. Step 5. Bake the mushrooms for 20 to 25 minutes until they're bubbly and golden brown. Step 6. Remove them from the oven and let cool for at least 5 minutes. Sprinkle with basil and serve. Lighten it up, dudes. You can use low-fat mozzarella and skip the pepperoni if you're watching your figure. That is our pizza for the day, personal portobello pizzas. Cowabunga, dudes! Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, Mirage Studios, IDW Studios, Archie Comics, or Nickelodeon Studios. This podcast is a member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Check out thedorkening.com for other podcasts. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper and Eric Will. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. It took me 10 years to make the perfect man cave. And then we took it over. And we made it into the multiversal chamber. Then I started my own podcast. And we took that over too. And we're the co-host, the Multiverse Kids. Yeah, and I'm the dad, the geeky dad. And every week, we what? We review the movies, shows, and books. Games and toys. Yeah. And sometimes we even have a special guest. So, join us every week on the Geeky Dad Podcast.
Greetings and Shabibans. We are the Retro Reductibus Cephala Podcast, a long-form bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. Yeah, that sounds good, but I don't know what all those words mean. I think what Parasite seems trying to say is that on Retro Reductibus, we explore a range of retro goodness, from toys, video games, and movies, to cartoons, and even snacks and school lunches. Oh. And we do it all with a positive spin, a slew of killer guests, and some <clears throat> very adult language. And you know what else is cool? No. This crazy show is part of the Dorking Podcast Network with new episodes every technical Tuesday. It's there. And if waiting two weeks for a new episode gives you a sad, know that we drop bonus episodes all the time, like the off-format Crow's Nest and an interview series we call The Brick. You can listen to Retro Doctopus on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any app that's cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. Do you like retro video games? 80s and 90s toys and have a love for nostalgia. Hi, I'm Russ Lyman. What's up, guys? I'm Jay, the NES addict. Welcome to the Weekly Warp Pipe. Jump into the Warp Pipe with us and go back to revisit all the awesome things from our childhood. That's right. Every week we discuss something new like the hardest NES games. Or what it's like to get prizes out of cereal boxes. What our top 10 toys were. <laughs> Battle Beast. No, dude. It was Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Cowabunga. So be sure to check out theweeklywarppipe.com for more info. And we're proud to be a part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. That's right. You can join us every Saturday at 7 a.m. for new episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or catch the video version on YouTube at the Weekly Warpipe channel. That's the Weekly Warpipe every Saturday at 7 a.m. The Weekly Warpipe. Hey, it's your man, Velvet J. Come join me and my co-hosts on our weekly journey through the world of comic books on the Splash Pages Comic Book Club podcast. We'll explore new stories, even have guests like the Empress of the Bat, Legacy Athena Finger, voiceover artist Charlie Schlatter, actor Mitchell Whitfield, comic creators Joe St. Pierre and Tony Harris. Explore dork-related news and updates from the world of comics and collectibles. Where can you check us out? We are live! every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube or streaming on deaddorkradio.com or wherever you find your favorite dorkening podcast. <laughs> Hello, intrepid listeners. This is the Generation Playlist Podcast, a podcast about music where we are your guides through a particular group or artist. We talk about the music, and then we make a customized playlist to share with you, our listeners. And you can check us out wherever you listen to podcasts and find our playlists on Spotify. Do you like gaming? You know, this game would be better if it was a battle royale. Do you like technology? I bet this tech would work better if it was a battle royale. Do you like movies, TV shows, and everything else that me and Nate can't agree on? The Last Jedi was easily the best Star Wars film I have ever seen. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Everybody in this room is stupid now because of you. Talking Gaming and Tech is a bi-weekly podcast where we cover the latest and greatest in gaming and tech. Now part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Talking Gaming and Tech is a podcast produced by Tech Prime Media. You can find us on YouTube and all their social media platforms. You can find Talking Gaming and Tech on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts from. This podcast is filmed live. If you want to check us out while we're filming live, remember to follow links on social media and your comment might be read on air.